God is good. The Lord has been good to us. And we celebrate that today. You know, Easter is Resurrection Sunday. It is the high point on the Christian calendar. It is the day that we celebrate, that we enjoy, that we talk about, that we reminisce, that we consider the high point of what God has done for us in saving our soul. And He has saved us. We enter this world hopeless, and God, as a matter of His will and His decision, has decided to save us from our hopelessness and give us hope. He has given us His love. He has given us His life. And we rejoice in that today. We praise God for that today. He is invincible. He is indescribable. He is all-powerful. And He has taken His great power and His omniscience and He has brought them to bear on our problem. A problem which we had no power to overcome and which we had no idea how to remedy. He brought what He knew and He brought what He could do upon our situation and He has saved us. We are allowed the privilege and opportunity of becoming the children of God because of what Jesus Christ has chosen to do for us. And this morning, if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you have not believed on the Son of God which came into this world to save you, I pray to God that you will make that decision this morning to genuinely give your life to Jesus Christ, to genuinely believe He died on the cross as a payment to save you from your sin, to deliver you from the power of sin, and deliver you unto eternal life. It is the power of God unto salvation, this gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you've never availed yourself of it, you stand this morning condemned. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through His sacrifice on the cross and His resurrection from the dead. And you have the opportunity this morning to come to Jesus Christ, to believe and trust that He died on the cross to pay for your sins and rose from the dead to offer you eternal life. And I pray this morning that whatever else you hear today, whatever else we discuss today, that at the end of the day you will decide to give your life to Jesus Christ if you have never, ever done so. And how do you know whether you've done so or not? Are you changed? Are you a different person than you were born to be? Do you have a propensity to obedience to God or a propensity to sin? Does it grieve your heart that you hurt a holy God who loves you infinitely when you sin against God? Or are you just sorry it's wrong to do what you are doing and wish you wouldn't have got caught? That's how you know whether or not you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord of your life. It's how you feel about sin and how you feel about a holy God when you do sin. So this morning, whatever else you hear today, I hope that the Holy Spirit of God will convict your heart and impress upon you whether or not you genuinely have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ His Son, and that you'll leave here knowing with certainty that you do have that relationship. I prayed just moments ago that the Lamb of God would receive the reward of His suffering. Do you know what that means? Jesus died for you, and you are the reward for His suffering. He died for you. He shed His blood. And the reward unto Him, unto Christ, can you believe this? The reward... Unto Him for His suffering is you when you place your faith in Him for your salvation. He takes great joy in you and He wants a relationship with you. He loves you. You are so valuable to Him that He set aside the glory of heaven and He went to a bloody cruel cross and suffered and died there so that He could have you. You are the reward. May the Lamb of God have the reward of His suffering this morning. May you walk the aisle if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord this morning. May you give your heart to Him today so that the Lamb of God may receive the reward of His suffering on that ugly cross 2,000 years ago. If you don't know Him, 
I hope and pray that you will. You know, this morning we celebrate the resurrection. Jesus is alive. He is risen from the dead. And I'm just going to walk you through a passage of Scripture this morning over the next few minutes. But I want you to understand this morning what it's all about. It's all about whether you genuinely have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And for those of us who know Jesus, are you living like Jesus is alive? You see, it's not just those who are separated from God and who have yet to receive Him as their Savior and Lord that I'm speaking to this morning. He said, there's one of three ways that you're living your life. You're living your life as though Jesus rose from the dead. And in light of everything that means, you're living your life pretending he did not rise from the dead. And you're living your life however you want. Or you're living your life confused, wondering what in the world really happened 2,000 years ago. And whichever one of those three groups that you fall into this morning, I pray that you will leave here with certainty that you should be in the group that believes Jesus rose from the dead and you're living in light of that. In Luke chapter 24, we see a a very interesting story here. It's on the first day of the week. It's after the Sabbath. Jesus has been crucified. He has been buried. And there are a group of women who are going to the tomb. And they're going there with the purpose of preparing his body for burial. Now, obviously, it had already been buried. He had already been there. This was the third day. He's been there three days. But Jesus had died at a time when they did not have an opportunity to prepare him for burial. Because on the Sabbath, you didn't work. And that was considered work. And so very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared, these spices to anoint his body with for burial. So they took these spices and went and prepared uh, prepared to, to anoint his body with these spices. And I'm just going to read you from from the, the New International Version this morning. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But but when they entered the tomb, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. He must be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven disciples. You remember Judas was no longer among them at this time. So they told these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying there by themselves. He went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now, as we look at this story, we see, first of all, there's a stone. Now, it was commonplace for a stone to be rolled over the entrance to a tomb. Jesus was dead. And very shortly thereafter, he was going to stink because he was dead. And you had all of the things that went with a, an unembalmed body. So you didn't want disease. You didn't want the stench. You wanted to keep death inside that tomb. So they rolled that stone over the entrance to that tomb to keep death inside. And to keep life on the outside, death on the inside. That's what they did that for. 
And the stone was man's best effort to keep himself from facing the inevitable. He didn't want to walk by and see death all the time. He didn't want to walk by and smell death. You wanted to, to just pretend it wasn't coming. For That's what most people do. Pretend death is never coming for as long as they possibly can. And then they put a seal around the tomb. We see this in Matthew chapter 27 that there was a Roman guard and seal placed on the tomb. Now Matthew's account is a little different from Luke's here. There are details that each gospel gives us according uh, to the resurrection and according to the burial of Jesus, crucifixion of Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 27, we see that some Pharisees went to Pilate and said, listen, he said that after three days he was going to rise from the dead. Now, we're going to tell you what's going to happen here. His disciples are going to come and steal his body. And then our situation is going to be worse than it was when he was alive because they'll run around telling everybody he rose from the dead and to believe upon him. And then we're going to have a political and a religious mess here for you and us. So Pilate said, you go ahead and take a Roman guard and guard the tomb for these three days. And they put a seal on the tomb. And that was a cord that they wrapped around the stone and sealed it with wax at the end. At both ends of the court. They made it as secure as they possibly could. All of hell, all of the political leaders of the day, all of the religious leaders of the day wanted one thing. They wanted to make certain that no one messed with death. They wanted to make certain that Jesus' death was undisturbed and permanent. That's what the political leaders wanted. That's what the religious leaders of the day wanted. And that's what the disciples expected. These ladies were disciples of Jesus Christ. And, and they went to the tomb with spices in order to prepare his body for inevitable decay. To make it a, a, as pretty as they could, so to speak. That's kind of what we do today, isn't it? We embalm a body to make it as, as lifelike as possible for as long as possible. And that's really what they were doing. Make things as good as they could for as long as they could as Jesus' body decayed on that cold stone in the tomb. They expected him to stay dead. And we can see this for when they went back to the 11 disciples and told them what happened, they were just confused. They didn't believe the, the, the words of these ladies because they thought, well, no one's ever been carried into a tomb and walked out on his own power. So we're, we're pretty sure that you're crazy. This doesn't make any sense to us. Everyone expected the death of Jesus to be the end. But God had something else in mind. The ladies get to the tomb. And obviously they didn't know about the, the seal. They didn't know about the Roman guard because they were going there with the intention of anointing and preparing the body of Jesus. And when they got there, what they saw instead of a Roman guard and instead of a stone, they saw two angels. And they did what you and I would do. If we saw two angels, they just fell on their face, right? I mean, if you saw two giant shining men, you would fall on your face as well. You can say you wouldn't, but you would. You wouldn't know what else to do. You'd be too scared to run, too scared to fight. You'd just fall flat on your face. And that's what they did. And the angels asked them, they said, what are you doing here? Now, I'm going to paraphrase here for a minute for you. But here's what these angels and, and you gotta, you got to think sometime these angels have since then probably gathered around heaven and said, can you, can you believe these guys? They walked with Jesus for three years. They heard him preach, heard him teach. He made very plain to them what he was going to do. And then they're bringing spices to anoint his body in the tomb on that third day. Just couldn't believe it. So what in the world are you doing here looking for the living among the dead? 
He told you that he was going to die. He told you he was going to be buried three days. He told you he was going to rise from the dead. What in the world are you doing here this morning with spices to anoint a dead body? He is not here. He is risen just as he said. He is risen from the dead. The disciples, the women and the other 11 and the others that are mentioned here, on the one hand, the, the ladies were living as though Jesus were dead. The disciples were confused. The ladies were living as Jesus dead, but once they heard the voice of the angels, they realized he was alive. They began to believe it, and it changed their life, and they got excited, and they went back to the other disciples and began to live as though he's alive, and they were ready to tell the world, Jesus is alive. He's alive, we understand now. The angels made clear to us what he had preached. He's alive. And the disciples now, we've seen these ladies go from living as though Jesus were dead to now living as though Jesus is alive, and it had changed their life. And now we see this other group of guys here, the disciples, and they're just confused. It says Peter ran onto the tomb. He saw the grave clothes there, and he, he left out just scratching his head in awe. You know, there are a great many people doing that today. They're just confused. They're just confused. Don't really know what happened. Maybe it'll all work out in the end. I can't figure it out. It's above me. It's above my pay grade. I can't figure this out. I don't know what's going to happen. God, I, 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 I just don't even know what to think. And they don't even try many times. Don't even try to figure it out. Great many people today living as though Jesus is still dead. Great many people living as though he's alive. And he is alive. And there are great many people living in between, confused. And for them, they might as well just be living as though he were dead. Because it has no real genuine impact or effect. Upon them. Jesus is alive. Death could not hold him. The grave could not hold him. He is alive. And so the question this morning, I go back to what I said at the beginning. What are you going to do in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? You know, there's a story of a gentleman. He was a Muslim in Africa and he became a Christian. And his friends asked him, they said, why... Did you become a Christian? And he responded with this. He said, suppose you were going down the road and suddenly the road forked in two directions and you didn't know which way to go. And there at the fork in the road, there were two men. One of them was dead and the other one was alive. Which one would you ask and who would you follow? Let me tell you, Muhammad is dead. Confucius is dead. Buddha is dead. And I don't care who else you're listening to out there. Someday, if they're not already, they're going to be dead too. So are you going to live to a, li listen to a dead man or one soon to be dead, a dead woman or one soon to be dead, or are you going to listen to the one who died and rose again and is forever alive? Who are you going to listen to this morning? Amen. Back in the 1920s, when communism was taking over the Soviet Union, there was a story told about a, a man. A man told the story by the name of George Sweeting. A communist leader by the name of Nikolai Bakhrin was sent from Moscow to Kiev to address an anti-God rally. They had anti-God rallies because they were trying to stamp out religion in the Soviet Union. The communists were godless. They were atheists. And they wanted to stamp out all vestiges, every, every hint of God in the Soviet Union. 
And so they had these anti-God rallies. And for over an hour, this man abused and ridiculed the Christian faith. And it seemed as if the whole structure of belief was in ruins when he finished. Then questions were invited. And there was one man, an Orthodox church priest, who rose and asked to speak. And when he did, he turned around and faced the people. And a great many people who were there. And he gave the Easter greeting. He said, He is risen! And everyone in Mass said, He is risen indeed! And he sat back down. <laughs> no need to say anything else. What are you going to do with a dead man who's alive? What are you going to choose? How are you going to live your life? What are you going to do with this information this morning? Is it going to change you? Are you going to be saved from your sin and come to Christ? You're going to walk out of here confused. You're going to walk out of here just pretending it didn't happen. I recently read an article about the resurrection itself, and some of you may be in the camp that I'm just, I'm not going to believe it seems too far-fetched. I want you just to think about this for a minute. There's an article I read recently said there are three historical evidences for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The empty tomb, the testimony of the disciples who had interaction with him after he rose from the dead, and the origin of the Christian faith itself. Now, the empty tomb, no one denies not even the Jewish people, not even the Jewish leaders of the day would deny the empty tomb. They didn't deny the empty tomb. They tried to make up stories. They tried to make up uh, some type of explanation for why it was empty. But they knew the tomb was empty and Jesus was not there. No one argues that fact. Now, the second evidence would be the interaction of the disciples and hundreds of others with Jesus after he rose from the dead. Now, some folks may say, well, this was just a... A, a group of men who were lying in order to create a religion and make a living for themselves. Well, let me just tell you and walk with me for just a second on this. Out of these 11 men who were left, 10 of them died gruesome deaths. How many are willing to die a gruesome, horrible death for a lie? I mean, most of them were crucified. One of them was skinned alive and then crucified. One of them was run through with a sword and another one with a spear. And John, the one who wasn't crucified or faced a horrible death otherwise, was exiled to Patmos. So you would think out of 11 of these guys, at some point before the nails went through their hands, say, hey, hold on a minute, fellas. This is just all lie. I'm ready to get right with you. I'm ready to come clean. Don't kill me for this. We're just, we're just teasing. We're just kidding here. Not a one of them. Not a one. And some folks say, well, they were just hallucinating. Just kind of emotionally induced, sorrow, grief-stricken induced hallucination. Well, how did all 11 of them and the others, the hundreds of others who saw Jesus, how did they have the same hallucination at the same time? And how did they interact physically with the hallucination? Because they sat down and ate with him and talked to him and grabbed on and held on to him. Thomas put his, his hands in his wounds that he had suffered on the cross and into his side where the spear was. See, this was no hallucination, and this was no lie. These fellows, they interacted with a risen Jesus Christ, and they lived their life as though he had risen. And they were willing to tell anyone and everyone they could that Jesus is alive, Jesus is alive, and he's alive, and you don't have to die, and you don't have to go to hell, and you don't have to be sin-sick anymore. You can be delivered, you can be forgiven, and you can have hope that you will have eternal life too because Jesus died and he rose again. Then you have the church. The church is founded upon the idea, the premise, and the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Without the resurrection, you have no church. 
the entirety of the church is based upon the fact that Jesus died and rose again. If he died and was still in the tomb, there's no religion today. There's no Christianity. The existence of the church and the rapid spread of the church is another evidence for the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what are you going to do this morning? What are you going to do with that information? You who are saved, you who are a Christian, are you living as though Jesus is alive? And you who walked in this morning confused, are you willing to stay confused? And you who have been rejecting Jesus Christ for who He is and rejecting His resurrection from the dead, are you willing to stay where you are this morning? You know, I recently decided to do a survey with everyone born in the year 1870. And it's a funny thing about that because it was a very quick survey. Every single person born in 1870 is dead today. Did you know that? There's not a single one of them breathing. There's not one of them still beating, has a heartbeat and a pulse. They're all gone. Every one of them. And you know what? You're going to leave this earth someday too. And you're going to leave this earth in one of two conditions. You're going to leave this earth with a life and a death, depending and trusting in the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, or you're going to leave this life denying, rejecting, and without the benefits of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'd venture to say all of us have been to a funeral. We know the reality of physical death. The Scripture says the wages of sin is death. And the Scripture says we've all sinned. Every single one of us have sinned. And fallen short of God's plan for us. Fallen short of the glory of God. And the payment for sin is death. And you know you've sinned. I don't have to sit here and convince you of that. You know that you have sinned. Now the Bible says the payment for that sin is death. And we are all going to face a physical death because of sin. It's going to happen. All those folks in 1870, they denied it. They lived as though it wasn't going to come for them. But it wasn't wasn't long after 1970, the last one of them kicked off. And it was gone. And it was over. And now they face eternity, either a Christless eternity or one with Christ. See, the the, the most horrible kind of death is a second death that Scripture talks about, and that is eternal separation from God. And if you deny the resurrection of Christ and deny Jesus as your Savior and Lord of your life, you die, yes, here on this planet, on this earth, in this life, but then you die an eternal death. And you live an eternity, so to speak, a living death an eternal separation from God. And the question this morning is, how do you want to live and how do you want to die? Do you want to live and do you want to die? Believe in Christ, live, died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead, or are you going to deny these things, live and die as though they never happened? I want to say something to you, and I'm going to close here in just one second. We're almost done, so just pay attention for one more minute. This is real. And there is nothing more real. I mean, the fact that you exist today is funny, isn't it? I mean, it really is funny to some of us that you exist and the way you exist, I want to tell you. But but the fact you exist today is an interesting, interesting little tidbit of reality, isn't it? And the fact that you exist today would necessarily mean that you could exist somewhere else. In fact, you should expect to exist somewhere else if you exist now. And the Bible says that you will exist and you can be assured of this and you're going to exist with or without God. You're going to exist in heaven or hell. And there is a living man who rose from the dead who's standing at the crossroads right now and he is giving you the way to eternity. He is showing you the way to salvation. 
Will you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord of your life this morning if you have not? And you that are Christians who have been a while since you've been here, and it's been a while since you prayed, and it's been a while since you've really been walking with the Lord, and you have something to repent of yourself, will you repent this morning? Will you experience a revival in your soul? That is, will you begin to be concerned about God and the things of God again and be willing to anew and fresh, in a, in a fresh way, give your heart and life to Christ this morning? Listen, this is reality. It's not just a one time in the year or two times in the year holiday where I'm going to come in and give God his due. Listen, you either know God or you don't. And this is reality, guys. He lives. He lives, and he doesn't just live on Easter Sunday. He lives all the time, every day, every moment, and he desires to live in you. Listen, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. The payment for sins is death, but the free gift of God is salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. He hung and died on the cross to pay for our sins so that it would be a just thing, a right thing for him to absolve you of your sin when you place faith in him. Listen, it would be an unjust God who allowed you into heaven if you did not believe and trust the payment of Jesus Christ for your sins because he would be allowing unpaid for sin to come into his presence and to reap eternity in heaven. And that is unjust if it were to happen. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins so a just and holy God might forgive us of our sins because the payment has been made in the cross of Jesus. He rose from the dead, giving us hope that the grave is not the end. It is not just a freedom from sin in this life, but one in eternity, forever, eternal life. So this morning, would you reach out and put your hand upon Jesus? And would you say, Jesus, I am sorry for my sins, and I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and I give my life to you this morning. Would you bow with me now? Let's bow together. Would you pray with me? If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, would you pray this? If you pray this and you mean this, this morning is your moment of salvation from sin. And you can be free to know that you will have eternal life. Dear Jesus, I am sorry for my sin. Please forgive me of my sin. I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead, giving me hope of eternal life. I give my life to you.